Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This is the best of the Jason Smith Show on Fox Sports Radio. Tonight belongs to one man. It has to. I give him credit. He's been overrated for his entire NBA career. I'm so excited. Oh, no, no, no. You've been just overrated for your football career. I'm very, very excited about it. and, And your baseball career. But NBA, not quite for you, Tim. No, no, no. The guy we're referring to tonight, after 13 years in the league, had his best night of his life. Paul crosses over, raises up for another shot. A tough three, and he banked it in. Chris Paul just banked in the three. Another one, his eighth in a row. That is something else, folks. Rockets Radio Network on the call. Chris Paul, 41 points, 10 assists, no turnovers. The first player to go 40-10 and no turnovers in a game since the NBA has been keeping track of turnovers. And as you heard right there, 8 out of 10 from three-point range 
and that was what the Rockets needed to get by the Jazz. 112-102 was a subpar night from James Harden. 18 points, 7 out of 22. Donovan Mitchell did the best he could, had a phenomenal third quarter, had a 20-point third quarter, but did leave after hurting his foot. Not enough. The Rockets move on to the Western Conference Finals. Let's talk about Chris Paul. Because for his career, Chris Paul has been overrated. All right, he's had a really, really good career. And he's been someone who for his entire 13 years has proven to be a really valuable player. But this is the first time Chris Paul's in a conference finals. He's never been out of the second round in his life, whether it was with New Orleans, whether it was with the L.A. Clippers. Chris Paul burst on the scene. His hesitation dribble couldn't be stopped. First couple of years it was, man, I don't know how this guy's not going to take over the league. And a funny thing happened. He never really took over the league. He was an alpha male point guard who wanted the ball but didn't always take the big shot. It was very difficult to understand Chris Paul. Stat-wise, he could fill them all up. He would get down the floor. He would be able to make the right decision when to dish, when to take a shot. But he never was able to take over games. He never was that clutch player to win games in the playoffs. He has had good moments. He has also had terrible moments. And the terrible moments in the playoffs far outweigh the good ones for Chris Paul. This is a great moment for him tonight. It's the best night of his career. He's never been better than he was tonight. And this is where we're at with Chris Paul looking at his career from tonight backward. And this is a big thing. The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon, live from the Geico Studios. We mischaracterized and miscategorized Chris Paul for his entire career. Chris Paul was never a one. He was never a one. We thought he was a one. Russell Westbrook is a one. Chris Paul was never a one. Did he make his team all that better? Eh, not really. Did he take over games when he needed to make shots? Eh, not really. Chris Paul's best role was as a 1A. That was his thing. He was never a 1A earlier on in his career. Never a 1A because he was always counted on to be the one. But look... He's an 18 and 9 guy. Doesn't that didn't have one time. He averaged over 20 points in a, in his in a, in a per game per season. He was never that guy. He was someone who needed to be with a stronger one. And the time he had it with the Clippers was Blake Griffin, but Blake was hurt and guys couldn't stand each other. So that was an experiment that never got to fruition because of those things. But Chris Paul was always a 1A, but he thought of himself as a 1. We thought of him as a 1, so he said, okay, Chris Paul, Chris Paul. But you realize his shortcomings are only because what we put on him, because we thought he should have been better, he should have been bigger, but he was never that guy. He was the guy that really should have been that support role, but at times could take over nights like tonight. You know what? It's not James Harden's night, so you know what? Instead, I have to take the ball. i got to score more. Because not many point guards could do that. Not many pass-first point guards can decide, you know what, tonight is not our number one player's night. It's a night i got to score 30. You know, Lonzo Ball can't do that. You know, the best pass-first point guards can't do that. Russell Westbrook does it because he's a shoot-first, and then I'll pass if I feel like a kind of guy, and I'll still go get the rebounds. But no guys who are pass-first can take over games like that. And that's where I think he we have missed out on him, and he has missed out what could have been a better career had he been in better situations. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that, that flow through. But go back to his time in New Orleans, he did go over 21 points a game, 
back-to-back years his third and fourth year, but point taken. Okay, so sitting, two out of 13 but, instead but of sitting, one. Well, the bigger thing to go into the stats and, and the breakdown is the amount of time he's missed on an annual basis. You've got only half of his career where he's played 74 or more games. There's a couple of years where he missed a quarter of the regular seasons along the way. So there was always that expectation and unfulfilled promise of, of a guy to take over the league and become that new benchmark. Not to mention he was promoted and and commercialized everywhere. So you were seeing him in his alter ego cliff wherever you turn. Even now, you see him with Oscar from The Office uh, every time you turn around. But you got to give credit for a couple of things that – in Los Angeles, everything after he jumped the shark, I mean, jumped over the Kia, <laughs> it was all about Blake Griffin. So we, we know very well being located here in Los Angeles. Uh, you've heard the stories, people talking a little out of school and, and a lot of rumor conjecture and, and innuendo about how much guys didn't really get along here. So trying to keep that together. Uh, certainly has been difficult. Uh, Bill Plaschke, who was on with us last night, talking about how Doc Rivers is going to stick around. Well, Chris Paul left. Okay, Blake Griffin eventually gets traded. DeAndre Jordan has a decision to make. You're, you're looking at a, a nucleus that could still compete or at least be pretty solid. And he said, forget it, I'm shuffling up even though I'm a 13-year vet and I'm heading to Houston and we'll see what we can roll the dice on and buying into D'Antoni's way and you add all the extra possessions and you go through those metrics and then you'd reinvent a little bit. 18.6 a game, the assist ratio lowest since his rookie year uh, at 7.9 per game, but rejuvenated. Now here in a playoff moment, we had the great quote the other night talking about the last time he was in a 3-1 situation uh, when he was with the Clippers saying how quickly it had turned to blank. Uh, So the fact that in this game he decides – He's going to be the guy with the dagger. He's the guy that's going to vanquish Mitchell and this plucky, is that the t- right term, Utah Jazz Don't call team. us plucky. I don't know what that means. Sorry. Nicely done. <laughs> uh, this Utah Jazz team <laughs> that he took it in his own hands and had a game that will, at least for the moment, be the signature pending what they do against uh, Golden State in this next round. You know, and that's the thing is that Chris Paul is still going pretty strong. And now he is in a spot where, okay, this works for him. He's old enough to realize this is James Harden's team. But I still can pick. This is, this is the situation he should have been in eight years ago because the Clippers brought him in, and, and really it was, a, it was a fight. It was a wrestling match. Is it Chris Paul's team? Is it going to be Blake Griffin's team? Remember, he's supposed to be a Laker, no, too. No, that's just it. That's, you know, that's before, a whole other piece David in this Stern thing. Said, hey, yeah, okay. Yeah. But, but Have we gotten the 30 for 30 out of that mess yet? Because think <laughs> about that. Chris Paul goes to the Lakers. All right? Think about this. When I say Chris Paul should have been on a team like the Rockets years ago, he goes to that Laker team, and it's Kobe's team. Right. There's no way Chris Paul is walking in going, hey, this is kind of my team. And you force him into that role of, hey, this is Kobe. You guys are one too. And when Kobe doesn't have it or nights, Chris Paul can easily do that. He, he has been in the wrong situation for the majority of his career, and now he's finally in the right one, and it took till he's 34 years old. I wish I could give him eight, nine years back 
because he's electric. Like I said, he fills the stat line. He does everything you want, but he was never, they, we put too much on him to be a one when he wasn't a one. And you can't do that to people. And you'd want to think that at some point they'd figure it out. You thought the Clippers would, but they couldn't because you had to tell Chris Paul too, Chris, you're not a one. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Well, yes, a big highlight. From Seattle, by way of Toronto, the Big Maple pitching a no-hitter tonight against the Blue Jays. Paxton ready. Here's the windup and the 0-2 pitch. Swing and a one-hopper to third. Seager's got it. Toss across. Ball game is over. James Paxton has just thrown a no-hitter. The big lefty is getting mobbed out of the mound. The lefty from Lander, British Columbia, has thrown the sixth no-hitter in the history of the Seattle Mariners franchise. I love it. Mariners Radio Network on the call. Paxton with a no-hitter hitter tonight the first canadian to pitch a no hitter in his home country how about that look at that but think about this i mean every autograph show he goes to now it's like 150 at a minimum 50 bucks for the signature 50 for the no hitter date and 50 for saying the big maple now you know what (laughs) why can't you call him the big sexy maple that'd be pretty cool well now you want to get him paid by the letter yeah you not yeah, the big sexy, big sexy and any maple. derivative thereof might be owned by big Bartolo Colon. You don't say. Bar- Bartolo Colon, LLC. <laughs> Paxton joining Dick Fowler of the 1945 Philadelphia A's as the only Canadians to throw a no-hitter. And what? here's James Paxton doing it in his home country in Toronto. couple of things off of this no-hitter tonight. Number one, can you imagine, I mean, can you imagine, what it would have been like if the Mariners had left him in in his last start. Oh, no, we, we get we this. did a lot of we celebrating about Scott the, saying, the greatness. Hey, yeah, he comes out after 16 strikeouts and in seven innings. He was at 94 pitches. He could have gone out there again. He could have gone out there when you have 16 strikeouts and you could potentially break the all-time record for strikeouts in a game. You go back out there for another inning. You go back out there and see if you can do it. You know, if you're around 100 pitches. You can do it. If you strike out two of the three, you get to 18, you go back out there for the ninth. If you don't, then you can come out of the game. It's, it's that simple. 29-year-old, I don't want to call him a journeyman, but he's not their their front-line guy, and obviously he's pitching like one of late. The strikeout totals have been ridiculous. Only seven tonight, so he did a good job, uh, and, and the defense behind him give, him give them a nod, definitely. But it's the opportunity, you know, and we see it all the time, and we had it the other night, Walker Bueller. Not that you're going to let mm-hmm. him go – a full nine for the Dodgers, given what he's going to mean to this team with all the injuries going on. But you ended up having a combined four-pitcher no-hitter for the Dodgers. And now with, with James Paxson, you got back-to-back nights where you're, you're looking at him and looking at that evolution and wondering what-ifs and all of those kind of fun things. You know, Not that he's necessarily on the, on the same point, right? We always do that in sports of, oh, you had a good night there. Look at it. It could have been back-to-back. We could have been seeing history. Johnny all Vandermeer. All we time. never talk about Johnny no. Vandermeer. We would say, what's better, two no-hitters in a row or the strikeout record and a no-hitter? Because that would have been, it could have been yeah. his back-to-back starts. It could have been. It could have been 21 strikeouts. How does he follow it up? No-hitter. Oh, my God. Big maple, everybody. But they took him out in the ninth when they could have left him in, and it could have been that kind of of incredible, I mean, we talk about that forever. 
I mean, you're a no, you put your no hitter. That's great for you. He'll go, like you said, he'll go to card shows. He'll sign pictures. All of it. That's great. But you go 21 strikeouts and then a no hitter and two straight. So I mean, that's that's something that the, the, you'll be in every baseball book from now until the end of time. The books you and I grew up reading about. Hey, Joe Adcock on the night he had 18 total bases <laughs> in a game. I remember that. You know, it's cr- crazy crap like that that I remember. Oh, you know, here's the only game in Major League Baseball history up until the Dodgers had a game with that that had one hit in it. And you're like, oh my God, it was a Sandy Koufax no hitter. All these books that you and I grew up reading, you grew up in the same thing. James Paxton, here was a Mariners pitcher who threw really hard, had injury difficulty, and here was two starts from him. They would write a book on his two starts, six days in May, someone would call it, and they would write a book and it would come out at the end of this year. It would have been that kind of impact for James Paxton. And let's face it, the his end of his last start, he was still throwing. His last out yeah. was a fastball at 98. Tonight, his last three pitches were 98-198. That was what Paxton was throwing. He was dealing at the end of games. Well, he's 6'4". You could have Dennis Quaid play him in a movie. No, he already did that. But no, Dennis Quaid is way too old now. There's no way. Dennis Quaid Why? is way too old. No, come on. Dennis Can't Quaid is like still 60. Jacked. No, he's like 60. James Paxton is 30. That's okay. There, no, he can't Put do it. No beard way. on him. No, he can't, can't do it. <laughs> I need a guy who you looks like Dennis like, well, like he, James Paxton. Who can kind of what sell kind me of, that he can pitch lefty. What kind of drugs are you on? You got a guy who's 60 years old. Yeah, I just can't have No, Kevin Costner can't do it. He needs somebody hey, younger. Hey, you leave Billy Chapel alone. He needs somebody younger to play him. But it's funny. As, he as played we, a lefty pitcher before in a movie Let's bring it back. Ago. Let's bring it back. And Why not? It. it had that no. kid from Two and a Half All Men right, when no, he no. was a little guy. You know who could play James Paxton? Giovanni Rabisi. Loses weight. Yeah, he could play James Paxton. Isn't he like 5'7"? It doesn't matter. If we get The Rock in there, we'll make a billion dollars. James Paxton's like 6'4", And the ball explodes as it goes past. He would, they would just <laughs> would have, be hitters. They would just have smaller people being baseball players. Batting, it wouldn't look it Well, you look just so have they, well, I mean, you make Tom Cruise look like a giant in every movie by just having the camera pointing up. It's like all those old Danzig videos, right? <laughs> when, you're, when you see the video from Mother, everybody's going to go out there and YouTube this later. You, you shoot from below. So he looks like he's he's a giant character on the stage. In fact, Glenn Danzig's about five foot one. So, but he looked <laughs> yoked and he looked huge. Here's James Paxton following the game on when he first knew that he had a no hitter going. I mean, it was probably like a sixth inning that I realized what was happening, um, and then I just was focused on making my pitches, getting ahead of guys. Root Sports, uh, there. You know, who he sounds a little bit John C. Riley. I mean, John C. Riley could never play him. I mean, he was the catcher in Kevin Costner. Yes, he was. But he, could, he, could, but he, <laughs> he looked good in that like tiger uniform, there. didn't he? Hey, the guys are going to be awesome today for you, man. <laughs> but that's the other thing about James Paxton, not the fact that you still want Dennis Quaid to play. <laughs> oh, so he did it before. He was Morris. Oh, who else am I going to bring back? And just anybody. It's like you've thought of who's the first guy I've seen throw a ball left-handed. Dennis Quaid. He can go play. I mean, that's what you did. Well, go deeper then. Randy you, Johnson. You, Randy you, Johnson. You think Giovanni? No, he's too busy photographing things. Do you think Giovanni Rubisi can throw a baseball? Doesn't matter. You, have, you, you saw can, him in Ted One and Ted yeah. Two. Was he doing anything yeah, there? No, sure, I'm sure he could. I'm sure he could. When, do he, it. when he was in, uh, you know, the what, what was the with Vin Diesel? The only time Vin Diesel acted, Pitch Black. No, he was terrible in that. Fast and the Furious One. I don't know. Fast the, and Furious the, Two. The, More Furious. The Ponzi. Furious, sir. 
Boiler room. Big time furious. Boiler room. Big time furious. Furiousness is in this. Furiousness. Furious. Furious. Furiousness part eight. Furious. <laughs> furious to the future. Furious. Now that. Now that I'd watch. Furious. Here's a guy. Furious. He, he, furious. He decided from this furious. day going forward, furious. he's pissed off. He's angry. <laughs> and that's his future. We're going to watch him wake up every day and see what kind of craziness he can do. Even more furious. Er. They get titles all the way to like the 25th, 28th I like movie. that. Yeah, there you have it. And you know what? They brought The Rock in there, too. <laughs> you know, a big point to make about this no-hitter, and we'll get into the end of it as the Dark Knight. Be sure to catch live editions of The Jason Smith Show weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. The Dark Knight is now a member of the worst team in baseball. Matt Harvey is now a member of the Cincinnati Reds. It's a final. Traded for catcher Devin Mesorosco, who actually walked across from the Reds' dugout to the Mets' dugout tonight because the Mets played the Reds. Pinch hit in the ninth inning and struck out looking. So already he's a Met. And uh, Mets lose to the Reds, who have only won eight games up until tonight. But that's not the point. The Mets find a taker for Matt Harvey. Yeah. They trade Matt Harvey. They say, hey, Reds, you got a guy who hasn't been good in four years for a guy who hasn't been good in three years. Let's make a deal. And the Mets trade Matt Harvey to the Cincinnati Reds. He is in Los Angeles right now rehabbing, probably listening to the show. Hi. And going, boy, who's that Mets fan that just completely, yeah, uh, Jason Smith, uh, the Jason Smith show with Mike Harmon. Uh, And he's going to join the Reds in L.A. when they come here to play the Dodgers this weekend. He's had some of his finest moments here I know. in Los Angeles, unless he didn't. Well, yeah, <laughs> hey, listen, there's a couple. It's all a matter of whether you declare it on the mound or in his I, life I, in general. I would go to Cincinnati, but really, I, I really, I want to get to Coy tonight because it's going to be a huge opening and there's a lot of people there and I there's a couple of big-time clubs I want to go to, so I'm just going to stay here and then I'll meet the team when they, when they come here. We can get a photo op with him now. <laughs> yeah, right? I can't wait when to tell to Los him Angeles. that you abandoned him. What are you gonna, why have you forsaken me? Harvey? Saturday. Are you going go out to the game? Oh, yeah. All right. He could be starting on Saturday. You I'll never have him know. FaceTime you. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> this is Matt Harvey, the Cincinnati Reds. Who am I talking to? He'll just, just tell him it's a TV show. Tell him it's a TV show and he's on, and and and, and he'll think it's a, t- a television show. And their models waiting fine. on the other side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tell him anything. He'll believe it. Oh, yeah, give me, give me the phone. I'll do it. I'll well, do it. you're Guillermo, and you're there for the Kimmel show. Look, uh, <laughs> what's funny in this trade, though, is, is that you do have two guys that were of such promise. Remember uh, Mesoraco, uh after his 25 home run, 25 double performance and. Oh, he was an all-star in 2014. But, I mean, that was going to be the guy who was going to become the standard at the catcher position, Mm -hmm. fantasy baseball (laughs) superstar. And then 23 games, 16 games, 56 games. I think Matt Harvey's been in more games. And now he's a (laughs) Matt. But, you know, there's been a lot I've seen today. Oh, boy, this is the big gut check for Matt Harvey. He goes to the Reds. It's the worst team in baseball. and Now he's got to realize this is his last chance and all this stuff. And I understand that, but... You have to realize what got Matt Harvey DFA'd and eventually traded by the Mets. It's not about his lack of focus. It's not about his nightlife. That stuff hastened the end. He was always at odds with the Mets. The Mets didn't approve of him continuing to miss practices, miss workouts, and do things that put himself at odds with the Mets. During their big stretch run, when they were winning the division, going to the World Series three years ago, it was, oh, Matt Harvey's going to stop pitching when he hits a certain innings limit. Wait, wait, what? No, we're going to the World Series. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. All these things happen. All these things hasten the departure of Matt Harvey. 
But it's not that suddenly, oh, he's got a reality check and he's going to be pitching for Cincinnati and he's going to you know, realize, that, okay, i got to get back to being who I No, it doesn't happen that way. Matt Harvey cannot pitch. That is why he was let go. It's not because he was partying too much. It's because he couldn't pitch and he was partying too much. If he was still throwing 96-98 and getting guys out and being the dark night, he would still be a Met, but he cannot pitch. Pitch. Well, your velocity's down, what, four? He's throwing 91, 92 yeah. miles an hour. He yep. never learned how to pitch. He always was a thrower with plus, plus, plus. He had four pitches, plus, 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 plus. That's what it was. But then when he got hurt and he couldn't ever figure out how to get around it, now he gets teed off on routinely. You can't just look and say, oh, change of scenery. He can't pitch anymore. The best thing for him would be to go to low levels of the minors. I know it would suck. But go down there and learn how to pitch throwing 91, 92, 93. Learn how to pitch. Learn and, and do Cliff Lee. Go down to the lowest level of the minors and work yourself back up, and you could be a really good pitcher in a year or a year and a half. Work yourself back. Now I know how to do things, and I'm going to be a star again. I'm going to be a really good pitcher in the majors. I'm going to get a big contract, get paid, keep my baseball career going. Or go down and learn how to close. And keep that dark night mentality, I'm going to be a closer now for the back half of my career. Any of those things would work, but that's not what Matt Harvey's going to do. He's going to go out there and think, I'm giving it my all. He needs to go away for like a year, low levels, work things, learn how to pitch, and then come back. It's not suddenly, oh, I'm the Reds, now he's going to be great, because he's not, because he can't pitch, and that's the problem. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The Big Maple goes for a no-hitter. Joining us now, our own Big Maple from the great state of Michigan. MLB Network, Fox Sports 1, Baseball Insider, and now set to add NHL Network Insider to his resume as he covers the Western Conference Finals. Coming up later on this week, he is John Palmarosi. What's happening, JP? I'm doing great. We've got all kinds of Canada in that particular uh, introduction, of course, uh, with James Paxton uh, throwing the no-hitter. And, and yes, I cannot wait. Uh, my, my annual hockey sojourn, it's going to be the third straight year that I've uh, done some playoff work for, the, uh, for the, the NHL Network because of that partnership between, of course, MLB Network, NHL Network, uh, it's it's all in, under one big roof there in Secaucus, New Jersey. So uh, it's something I look forward to all year long. I love it. Hockey is in my heart. And uh, it should be a fantastic Western Conference final. I guess we find out uh, Thursday evening if I'm going to be going to Winnipeg or Nashville to begin things. And then, of course, Las Vegas next week as that amazing story continues there for the Golden Knights. All right, well, let's start tonight. The amazing story, James Paxson with his no-hitter. And I tell you, not to think about what could have been. But the first thing that flashed in my mind, John Paul, is that had they left him in on his last start, you know, he's at 100 pitches, but he was still throwing 98, 99 miles an hour. 16 strikeouts through seven innings. He had a chance to set the Major League Baseball record for strikeouts in a game. And all I could think of is, had they let him in and he'd done that, can you imagine that back-to-back MLB record for strikeouts in a game Followed up by a no hitter. I mean, the guy would be an immortal for the next hundred and or, you know for the rest of time. Right. No, that's a very good point. Now we could also take the opposite side of that argument and say if he had thrown that those extra two innings uh, in his most recent start, would he have been as rested and ready for this one? Would they have backed him off one day to give him the additional rest? There's a lot of what ifs there. But your point is very well taken that that he is. 
right now he is at his peak, and he's he's somebody that's battled uh, injuries, of course, in the past. Health issues, durability has been a concern for him. But I, I love the point that John Heyman made tonight on Twitter uh, following the game and, and John reminding us all that Paxton actually was originally drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays. And according to John, if, if the Blue Jays had met his price tag of $1.4 million, he would have signed with the Jays. Instead, uh, they offered him $1 million even. They did not make up that additional four hundred grand. He went back in the draft. Drafted by the Mariners, signed with the Mariners. The Mariners are pretty pretty glad that he did that, and the Jays, I'm sure, would love to have him, especially given what you said about uh, the, the home the home nation connection there with uh, being uh, from uh, the Lower Mainland there in British Columbia. So, uh, well, one takeaway: you, you guys know my passion for the World Baseball Classic. All I'm going to say is this: Team Canada could be pretty good on the mound in 2021. Uh, you've got uh, Mike Soroka, who just got called up by the Braves. Nick Pavetta with the Phillies, Paxton, Jamison Tyon, dual citizen from Texas. He can pitch for Canada. You've got Cal Quantrill, son of Paul Quantrill. So I'm all in on Team Canada there three years from now in the World Baseball Classic. Look at that. He's telling you to start saving your money and bet those futures right now. Hey, since Jason uh, would obviously go to this next, I'll I'll just jump in. Uh, The Mets are able to offload Matt Harvey. He begins yes. the re reclimbing and, and the return in the Cincinnati organization. Messerocco on the other side, once upon a time, a 25 home run catcher. Uh, and the next big thing, uh, two guys trying to jumpstart their careers once again. What, what do the Reds do with Harvey? Well, it's, it's a great question, and I think they're, they're going to be very patient with him. Uh, they know that they've got the chance for this to be a really – Good asset for him if for them if they get him figured out. But he, uh, I like the fact that he's going to a team that is not in the race right now. They are a last place team. They're a rebuilding team, um, and and total fresh start. He, he's not even going to a club. Whereas it would have been the case with the Rangers and in Texas because of Dan Warden working there. It's not even as though he's got a coach to sponsor him on the on the staff that really knows him that well. This is a complete. Fresh start. It's what he needs, um, and I, I would be impressed by him if, if he would decide to um, go to the minor leagues, have some form of total workshop as opposed to rushing right back in there and trying to start in three days. He needs to go to the minor leagues, in my opinion, just to get stretched out again, reset, and, and find whoever the, the Harvey Whisperer is going to be, figure out who that is, and, and get them paired up and, and develop some trust because it's going to have to begin with that. He's going to have to really humble himself to uh, to be willing to make some adjustments in a way that he was not. He simply was not in New York. He had the third worst ERA among starters with 200 innings since the beginning of 2016. This is not a brief amount of time where he was struggling. So for the Reds, get him down to the minor leagues, find him, find him a way to, to get back to being the pitcher he was, or even 80% of that, because even 80% of that, guys, as you know, would be helpful to the Cincinnati Reds. Fox Sports 1 MLB Network insider John Paul Morosi with us here at the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Uh, another big headline tonight, John Paul, that's, it's really just crazy when you think about it. Uh, Dylan Bundy tonight. Not a great first inning for the Baltimore <laughs> Not Orioles. Not a great first I heard, inning. I heard about this. Beca- I, I, I have heard about this development. It became the first pitcher in modern history to give up four home runs without recording an out. He faced seven hitters, didn't get anybody out, gave up four home runs, 
Two walks and seven base runners leading to seven runs. He got out after just 12 minutes. You know, when I see a game like this, I think I I always now default to somehow the hitters know what's coming because there's no way major league pitchers are this bad. Somehow he's tipping something. They know what's coming because it's not like he's gives up a lot of home runs anyway. When four home runs, it's like, okay, something's going on. He's tipping. They know what's that because there's got to be a reason for that. This is too much of an aberration. Uh, th- that's very possible. Now, now, of course, uh, we can immediately uh, allay any concerns on the part of our listeners about uh, sign stealing or subterfuge using uh, uh, signs being relayed in from center field because, of course, this game happened in Baltimore, by the way, <laughs> uh, which, which I'm sure the Oreo fans were just thrilled with. Uh, oh, no, no, I just, I, uh, you I have just to mean more of, yeah, there, no, I just mean more of, like, something room, he's doing, yeah. Right. Is there even room on that manual scoreboard to, to, to even hang 10 on the first inning? It was a 10 nothing lead after one inning on, en route to a uh, 15-7 win for the Chiefs over the Ravens here in this particular uh, football contest. But I, I, the point I'll make about Bundy and why this is also confounding and why this is a classic baseball story He's actually had a pretty decent decent season up until tonight. Uh, his ERA when the night began was 3.76. It is now 5.31. Apparently <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what happens with the math when you give up seven runs without recording it out. So uh, th- th- that is what you would call a rough night for the ERA and a rough night for the confidence for a team in the, in the Baltimore Orioles that, uh, may I remind you, uh, Manny Machado, free agent, Adam Jones, free agent, the GM and manager, both free agents after this year as well. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. We may know where LeBron James could be going next season. Earlier today, Chris Broussard, NBA insider for Fox Sports 1, talked about how the 76ers could possibly be that destination with what he's hearing. LeBron, we, he, we know he wants to be the GOAT, okay? He does. If he goes to Philadelphia, they would have a shot to win it next year. Next year. And I mean oh, beat Golden yes. State oh, God, next yes. year. Right? Okay. No question. So he could theoretically lead them to maybe two titles while he's still the best player on the team. And then as he ages and Simmons and Embiid come of age and mature, they can help him win maybe another one or two. And in 10 or 15 years, when millennials are driving the narrative, they are going to say, LeBron James has all the individual regular season records. He has all the postseason individual records. He's got five or six rings. He's been to twice as many finals as Michael Jordan. What's the debate? The stage is being set for LeBron James to go to Philadelphia as the savior this summer. Chris Broussard from the Herd with Colin Coward earlier today on Fox. couple of things we talked about LeBron. Number one, you're crazy if you don't think LeBron James already knows where he's going to play next year. He already knows. There's not going to be a free agent tour. He would look bad. He really needs to see the landscape of the rest of the league. LeBron James is so far above the NBA, he knows where he's going to play. The end of the season will come, he'll call and talk to his guys, and then he will have his decision. He's not going to meet with the Knicks, and then he's going to meet with the Sixers, and he's going to meet. He knows. It's either stay in Cleveland or one team he's going to. That's what it's going to be. It's either I'm staying or I'm going. And we told you last night, he's going to stay in Cleveland because he knows 
he can still get to the finals. He can still be on the best team in the East with the Cavaliers because as good as the the Philadelphia 76ers are, you're jumping to go there. Maybe You're still this good with the Cavaliers. You're still this good. So he's going to stay, and he'll say in one year, I'll make my decision. Maybe he still maybe he could go to the Sixers. He could go there. But when he sees his play begin to slip a little bit or see that the Cavaliers aren't the team to go to the NBA Finals anymore, that's when he will make his call. If they got knocked out in the first round with the against the Pacers, he was gone. We said he was gone. He would move on and say, "Listen, we can't do this anymore. It's too difficult. My team is not as good. We're not on the way up, so I got to go someplace else." But now he's back in the Eastern Conference Finals. And potentially to the NBA Finals again, even though I told you the Celtics are going to beat him. And it was, okay, I'll stay one more year. I'm not saying he's going to stay forever, but he'll stay one more year and postpone this decision until next year. But at worst, he knows where he's going. It's Cleveland or Team X. It's not, well, here's Philadelphia today and here's the Lakers tomorrow. He knows. He knows where his destination is going. No, and that's the curiosity of it. The the narrative of go team up with two budding superstars and – and bring glory back to Philadelphia is certainly interesting. The resurrection of the Lakers franchise. I know Stephen A. Smith uh, posturing that a little bit earlier today. Stephen A., remember, was a week plus ahead of everybody else and saying LeBron was heading down to Miami all those years ago. So it's interesting to watch how that starts to play. But I would agree. I I would think LeBron and his camp already have a definitive plan in place especially once this team started to win and they started to play again. Because for all of the LeBron carried them through round two, look at what all those secondary and tertiary options started to do for the Cavaliers in a much better matchup. And when all the young guys that were acquired at midseason got kicked back to the curb and said, you're not working, so we're going back to the tried and true uh, long-term professionals. So for LeBron James summer of fun. I, I don't know if it, we get more than a month of speculation, but let the wheels keep spinning for now. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. To get things out, start them off with a bang. Warriors over Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. The Rockets are the shiny new toy. We saw them last year make a big new splash. Mike D'Antoni's system, things are great. Harden turned into a guy not many of us thought he could be. They get Chris Paul this year. Things are fantastic. They uncover a couple other guys who are really good players for them. This has been nice. But two things are why the Warriors are going to win. And each series is different. You know, I, I The Celtics will beat the Cavaliers in the East. We talked about why last night. But tonight, it's two different things. One is four superstars are greater than two superstars. And that's what the Warriors have, and that's what the Rockets have. You want to, Chris Paul is not really a superstar, but you want to make him for part of the conversation? Great. That's fine. For, and, and Clay Thompson, you want to not make him a superstar? Okay, fine, but let's give them both the benefit of the doubt. Clay Thompson's a superstar. Chris Paul's a superstar. Four superstars are greater than two superstars. Four superstars will beat two superstars every single time. So from that perspective, and you go back in the NBA playoffs to when LeBron James with the Miami Heat, and it was, hey, when they were making their way through the Eastern Conference, I remember talked about, talking about this eight, seven, seven, eight years ago. Hey, three superstars bigger than one superstar. When, when it was like, oh, can the Heat beat the Bulls? 
The Heat have three superstars, and the Bulls have one. All right, Derrick Rose is their one superstar. The Heat have three. This is how it is. When you have that many stars, you can't get over that star power. It's like the Avengers. If you had four Avengers against just two X-Men, the Avengers are going to win. Even if the X-Men are Phoenix and because the most power and Wolverine, who was just really popular. You can't stop you, Jackman. But if you have four Avengers, if you have Captain America and Iron oh, Man. Oh, Captain America and the Hulk sucks. Come on. Thor, all He's right, useless. All right, you know, you know what? You gotta you gotta trade him out. Let's replace Captain America with a Scarlet Witch. Because Wanda is really powerful. So replace Captain America with a Scarlet Witch. And you know, Spider-Man's on it, obviously. Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. No, I thought so- I thought you said that you are right, Spider. <laughs> So if you have four, now Avengers if he was in there, <laughs> he he's a plucky I character. I heard someone say some spider spider. Don't, don't call me plucky. We don't know what that means. The other thing is this: look at the arc of the Golden State Warriors this season. This is a team that played go all the way back to the beginning of the season. They've been to three straight finals. They've won two. They should have won a third. Now you're at the point where okay, it's been three straight years. We're here. Nobody knew coming in now, like Kevin Durant came in a year ago, and boy, here's the excitement of what we're going to do. It's, okay, it's a long season. Let's not kill ourselves. We don't have to worry about 70 wins or 75 wins or whatever it is. Let's go out. We'll play our best, but we really have to know that we're a team that's getting a little bit older. Steph Curry's throw all of these things. Let's peak at the right time. So here go the Warriors. Through the season, they start out a little bit wobbly. Then they go on a little bit of a run, and then they kind of coast. And then they get a little bit hurt again. Steph Curry is out. They win a few more games in a row. And then Curry is out again, and they kind of stumble a little bit. Oh, we're not finishing first in the West. Doesn't matter. Then what happens? You get to the playoffs, and they play pretty well in the first round. And then they play even better in this round. In this clinching game, you had all all four stars who were fantastic. And now they are hitting their peak at the absolute right time. So now here are the Warriors in the Western Conference Final, and this is not going to be, boy, the Warriors this whole year. No, they have built towards this moment. All the Steve Kerr yelling at them and trying to push them through and prod them and get them to play better, they are at this moment now. They know what this moment means. They are there. This is their time once again because this time of the year has been their time for three years. Warriors beat the Rockets. Well, the other thing you have to wonder in this entire process is what are you getting out of James Harden on a nightly basis? And that's what we saw tonight. Chris Paul stepping up and being able to take over the the reins and coming in with his 41 points and, and brilliance all throughout this one. Zero turnovers, as you mentioned a little bit ago. You look at James Harden for this series against Utah, he shot 40% from the field. He shot 40.3%. That's not getting it done against the Warriors. If he struggles and turtles like we've seen in playoff series pass where we've seen big turnover totals from him and we've seen his shooting go awry, it's going to be a very quick series for Golden State to run through to the NBA Finals, which will start on May 31st, by the way. If we're looking at our calendars (laughs) and pushing on, that will be the start date, uh, Game 1. But... You, you look at the way this matches up, and you're right. During the regular season, Golden State was indifferent. Right? Steve Kerr, for weeks, lamented the long, arduous road just to get to the All-Star game and put that up. Steph Curry missing time due to an, due to an injury. 
there was no urgency on any level to bring him back. Because why? They, they know they're not playing for the regular season. That's why on some level, watching what LeBron James did on the other side uh, of the coin this year with the number of minutes played and, and everything else, you, you wonder why to some degree. Now, Cleveland needed far more of those wins and efforts from James than the Curry needed to be on the court for the Warriors, but I'm all for the the rest and take a game off now and again if you can steal one because you're playing for June. And when we went back on our whiteboard back in October, it's all about you're playing for June. And for the Warriors, that's it. They go to their fourth conference finals in a row. You see them at times, even though they made the Pelicans, made the Warriors and their fans sweat a little bit. Charles Barkley with one of the great lines of the night as called out by our buddy Todd Furman, saying all the Warriors did tonight was cost people money when they were screwing around down the stretch and the Pelicans make that big run. So uh, perhaps the most profound things Charles Barkley said on air, uh, other than wanting to punch guys in the face and all. But <laughs> we go forward. I mean, they played around towards the at the clinching game, and it's the, all right, we're done. Let's Let's kick these guys to the curb, and let's move on to the next round. And they'll go in and they'll dismantle the Rockets. As good a story as it is with Chris Paul and what James Harden and Mike D'Antoni have done during the regular season, they're no match. I'm going to say Warriors in five. Warriors in five. I can beat that. I'll go Warriors sweep them straight out of the Look at you! I'm going to go Warriors. We're playing name that. No, no, I'm going to go Warriors in three. And they, they stop the series they, after Duke three. Duke throws in the towel, and that's the end of it. I like it. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking. Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.